gentlemen, the At The Stripe Podcast. I'm Noah Lewis. Well, the race is over for this week. We're headed on to the next stop in the NASCAR Goes West Tour. Las Vegas brought us a lot of action. We're going to talk about that here in this 45 minutes. First off, let's jump right in to how this weekend started with the truck race on Friday night. Lots and lots and lots of action. Lots of battles for the lead. We saw four wide action. We saw three wide action. Yes, four wide at Las Vegas, which did not work in in some parts of the race. Did work in others somehow. Uh, Those drivers did put on a show. Really, really made it very entertaining for fans. Kyle Busch would end up being the winner after some lap traffic got in the way. He got the lead. Back from Brett Moffitt, who was the previous winner in Atlanta. Uh, Brett Moffitt was coming up on a lap truck. Did not get out of the the lap truck. Did not get out of the way in time. There was some contact there. Kyle Busch, who was in second, flew on by. Looked like Brett was going to have the win. A caution would soon come out. Kyle Busch was able to maintain and keep that lead uh, for a battle to the checkered flag. No one was able to get him, and he won the first race of the weekend. Then we saw Kyle Larson, who had a dominant car in the 42, and we had a lot of intensity coming down on that race. Kyle Larson wasn't going to make it to the end on fuel. It was it was, it was was looking like if this went green, then Kyle Larson wasn't going to win the race. What happens? A late race caution comes out. That 42 car is able to come down pit road smack it full of fuel, and he's able to go on and take the checkered flag in a dominant performance in that race. Then we get to Sunday's race today, and Kevin Harvick showed what he showed last week in Atlanta and dominated right off the bat. Kevin Harvick on lap one started on the outside. He was to the lead by the backstretch on Ryan Blaney, who was the pole sitter for this event, and... He dominated, and and he came home the winner today. There was a lot of action in this race. A couple of wrecks, uh, a couple of guys taken out, one including Chase Elliott, another Kurt Busch who ran consistent all day. Both of those two drivers, Kurt Busch, coming off of turn number four, got loose, came up into Elliott. They had a pretty big crash, resulting in both of their days being done. Michael McDowell, who had a great day, qualified, I believe, 15th. Man, tough break for him. He had a mechanic problem at the end there and wasn't able to finish the race as well uh, some other guys that were involved in a wreck included uh, Jamie McMurray who had some sort of issue got into the well came off the corner and just nailed the wall wasn't able to finish that race and some other guys had a few issues William Byron did not have a incident he did run the full event but for a Hendrick Motorsports driver, that car was not good from the beginning. And it did come in late, but at that point, already four laps down, Byron would go on to finish 27th, not being able to get back any laps after starting 17th, I believe, on the day. Uh, Greg Golding, he came in, BK Racing, he had an engine failure. Everybody else able to finish the event today, and... We saw it again. Something that I said last week, something that I said in Daytona, will the Fords compete with the Chevrolets and the Toyotas? I personally said going into Atlanta, no, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them to even compete because I thought 
The Toyotas were so dominant on mile-and-a-half racetracks with Martin Truex Jr. and with Kyle Busch, there was no way that the Ford body, which we saw struggle some last year, was going to be able to compete. And we've already seen an announcement that Ford was going to bring a new body next season and that they were going to use that body instead of the one they're using now because they obviously thought something was amiss. Well... What did we see this week? What did we see last week? We saw Kevin Harvick dominate both races. And not only did Kevin Harvick dominate both races, we saw Ford's finish in the top 10 in both races. And and a vast number of Fords, not just two, not just three, a good amount of Fords. In this race, we had Kevin Harvick finishing first, a Toyota and Kyle Busch finishing second, a Chevrolet and Kyle Larson finishing third, Another Toyota with Martin Truex Jr. finishing fourth. Ryan Blaney in a Ford fifth. Brad Keselowski in a Ford sixth. Joey Logano in a Ford seventh. Team Penske right there, five, six, seven in their finishing order. Eric Jones in a Toyota finishing eighth. Paul Menard with another great finish in a Ford. And the Wood Brothers number 21 finishing ninth. And Eric Almarola in a Ford rounding out the top ten in the ten finishing tenth. So we had one, two, three, four, five, six Fords in the top ten. Amazing day for them again, which is is great to see for for that manufacturer that came into this season saying, hey, we're going to be the underdogs here. We're going to have to fight harder than anyone because we're not going to have the best in, in our cars. Little did we know, here we are now, and we've had a Ford, same driver, but a Ford so far has dominated the season. We saw a Chevrolet win at Daytona, but we saw a Ford dominate the race. We saw Ryan Blaney, who completely dominated the race. We saw Eric Almarola, who came within a half a mile of taking the checkered flag first and claiming himself to be a Daytona 500 champion. So we saw the Fords definitely stepping up. Like I said, we went to Atlanta expecting the Fords then to not run as well. And we expected the Chevrolets then to run better to show just why they brought that body into the series. Because they obviously thought they've run tests, tested, they've run tests, excuse me. They've gone through the one tunnel. They've done all of these different things to prove that this car could compete at a higher level just like the Toyotas were able to do. And we're still early. We're still early in the uh, in the season, so we can't really judge that yet, but only one Chevrolet finishing in the top 10 today. The closest others were Ryan Newman and Jimmy Johnson, and then Austin Dillon, who finished 11th, 12th, and 13th. Chris Buescher, another stellar performance out of Chris Buescher, finishing 15th. Alex Bowman in the 88 car, finishing 16th. Casey Kane in the 95, finishing 19th that were the that was the only Chevrolets left in the top 20 so we didn't see what we hoped what we thought we'd be able to see out of the Chevrolets but if we think about this whole NASCAR goes west tour the Chevys are already out there they've already got their all teams have are most of them actually have already transported all of their cars to the West Coast. Hendrick Motorsports 
has already transported all of those cars to the West Coast. So if they were able to learn something from Atlanta that they can put into the cars, which took more than just a setup change, which took a lot more, then they won't be able to do that until they get back to their home shop in Concord, North Carolina. So maybe we're not going to see the Chevys dominate, or not dominate, but run consistent, run better until we get back from the NASCAR Goes West Tour because those cars are already out on the West Coast. But we hopefully should see that when we get back. That may not be the only thing. They could just be struggling because it's a new body. They are still learning it. They ha- That has to be some of the equation in why they're struggling right now. They are still learning this new body. They're still getting all of the things that they need to get out and putting all the things that they need to put into this car in order to make it run better. And that's something that we're going to have to you know, deal with this season as we go on. We're going to have to see them continue to grow because they're in a drastically different body than they were a year ago. And all the setups that they had were thrown out. They had a baseline start where it would still kind of work with the car. And and they're seeing that that's not really working. So they're growing. They're continuously growing. We did see Chevy's run a little more consistent this weekend. Uh, and some of the cars, Chase Elliott ran pretty consistent throughout. He was in fourth at one time. Kyle Larson was completely consistent racing in the top five just about all day. Uh, Jimmy Johnson had some struggles early, had to start in the rear of the field after failing pre-race inspection three times. His car chief was ejected from the event hours before the the race in Las Vegas. He was able to overcome going a lap down early to finish 12th a lap down. He did end up going a lap down just before the event ended, but... Still an overall good day for Jimmy Johnson, who hasn't had, has wrecked out of the event in the last few races, even in the Clash, the Duels, the 500, and in Atlanta has had a problem with the car and and putting damage on it. So we did see in this first race of the NASCAR Goes West Series that Chevy wasn't as strong but we did see that Ford has surprised so many. The manufacturer that everybody was looking at, the top people in NASCAR, you know, the top analysts, the top broadcasters, me, myself, which I would never put myself up to the top, but we were all saying, well, the Fords have had their success in Daytona, but that's not going to carry over until we get back to Talladega. And what I mean by their success, I mean their dominant success. We did not think that they would go out and all of them would be consistent. We thought, I mean, Kevin Harvick and Richard uh, and Rodney Childers, sorry, they have worked very well together. And we saw them win late in the season in the playoffs that got them to the championship four in Texas uh, last season. And and he even mentioned that today. That really helped that team grow. That win showed that they did a couple things to the car that made it better, that made it more consistent, that made it a winning car. 
and they were able to carry that over with the same body to this year. And they were able to share that information around with their team. And we've just seen that Stuart Haas Racing team run very consistently. Uh, Clint Boyer finished 18th on the day, but he had a better run in the race a little bit earlier. Kurt Busch, I mentioned, he was running in the top 10 for most of the event. Then had that wreck with Chase Elliott on the front straightaway coming out of turn four after he got loose. Very class act by Kurt Busch, who, who completely took the blame right off the bat. Right when they came at him with camera, which which is shown a maturity in Kurt Busch. Yes, it was it was proven. I mean, it, it showed that it was his mistake. And he knew that it was his mistake. But Kurt Busch in the past wouldn't have been as quick, in my opinion, to say, hey, this was my fault and I am so sorry to all of the nine fans. And that's what he said today. And it really showed a maturity level in Kurt Busch that we have, we're not used to seeing. And that was very great to see. And we saw Chase Elliott, who has always been a very nice and and friendly and then a devoted race car driver he's always taken it upon himself when it's his fault he's never put blame on the team he went out there and he said Kurt just got loose and and that's okay you know it's just a racing thing and that's very mature for a young guy like Chase Elliott to come up and say this is what happened we're gonna move on to next week thanks to my guys who gave me a great piece now, when we look at the Chevys as well, uh, getting back on that subject, we did see Kyle Larson run very well. We didn't see Jamie Mur- Jamie McMurray run as well. We did see Chase Elliott run very well, but we didn't see Alex Bowman, William Byron, and Jimmy Johnson run as well. So I think that following this event at Las Vegas, those teams are definitely going to, on their Monday morning meeting, they're definitely going or Wednesday, whenever they have them, they're definitely going to sit down and say, hey, look, this is working for us. Let's let's combine our notes here, and let's get better as a company. So that'll be great to see. Kevin Harvick, actually, I saw a stat following the race. He led, He's led over 49% of the laps this season, which is crazy to think. Yes, we're only three lap or three races in, but to think that one driver has led almost half of the laps this season, and he didn't have a seventy-eight on the door, is <laughs> pretty uh is pretty crazy, especially when he's got a blue oval hanging up on the front of his race car. So very good to see the Fords running well. Something we did not expect to see whatsoever, as I mentioned again, because I'm just in in total shock that we've continued to see the Fords run as well as we have not to mention on on uh Kevin Harvick's behalf he just won Atlanta he obviously won Las Vegas and now we're going to Kevin's playground hasn't had the success that they've wanted in the past few races here after switching to that Ford body but they've obviously found something on the mile and a half so why why not find something on a place like Phoenix which is a more flat track so I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Fords can do this weekend coming. And I know I've said that I said that with Las Vegas because I was I was saying Las Vegas is a way different racetrack than Atlanta. We don't know what to expect. We shouldn't jump to conclusions and say 
the Fords are going to run well there. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, I could have jumped to a conclusion and looked like the smartest guy on a podcast. But this week, we really don't know. We can't. We haven't been to a track like Phoenix yet this season, so we're still unaware of who will come out on top and who will be the best in the in the desert of Phoenix. So, really looking forward to that as we move on. Uh, another thing we saw happen today: the pit guns continue to be a problem. We saw them as a problem in Atlanta. We didn't see them as a problem in, Day- in Daytona because in Daytona we had only two tire stops and and no stop like no tire stops, just fuel. Tire wear wasn't as aggressive today. Just about everyone took two ti- or, uh, excuse me, four tires and fuel. We saw different parts of the gun breaking apart. We saw different parts of the gun not working as well so something nascar is definitely going to have to look into is that pit gun and maybe reverse their ruling on what the teams can do because this continues to be a problem and we can't continue to have this as a problem so interesting to see what nascar does in the future with the pit gun maybe even for the next event because what we had last week in Atlanta was the hoses breaking off of a certain part that it attaches to the gun. So what NASCAR did is they made a a longer attached hose so that when the pit guy went down to hit the lug nuts, there was no way for them to pull the hose apart from the valve of the gun. Well, that wasn't the problem this week. This week, some people had different issues with the pit gun. Not just that. So, something NASCAR is definitely going to have to work on. I don't think they'll be ready to just throw in the towel yet on the idea because it is a very good idea. It does save the teams a lot of money on pit gun research. But definitely something they're going to have to look into as some, you know, a competition standpoint. We can't have guys breaking pit guns on pit stops and having to come back down to tighten up lug nuts. We can't have that because that ruins the competition. And then that becomes a NASCAR problem. That doesn't become a team problem because the pit gun broke. That becomes a NASCAR problem because NASCAR is giving them this pit gun that isn't working. Which would then become an unfair advantage to other drivers whose pit guns are working right. And not to say that NASCAR is meaning it to, but it would. It would be because NASCAR is giving these teams the pit guns and make and mandating that they use this certain type. It becomes an unfair advantage when one team has a perfect stop with the gun and another team doesn't when they could have used their own gun, which was a lot faster and a lot more efficient for the team and for the pit stop and for the pit guy. You know, so interesting, very interesting to see for the future what NASCAR does with this issue. Not a tremendous issue, but it can be. It can be a race winning issue. Let's say Kevin Harvick today came down with a late caution and took tires with five to go. If he doesn't get, if the pit gun breaks and all five lugs aren't on that tire, if if four are missing, three are missing, one that is a risk of a loose wheel, which can be 
dangerous, very dangerous to the driver if the wheel falls off the car. Two, that becomes an issue if the wheel falls off the car to the crew chief and the car chief because they'd both be taken out. Three, that becomes an issue to NASCAR because they've gave they they've given them these pit guns that they're mandated to use and that just costed let's say Kevin Harvick a race win because of a NASCAR product problem what are they to do there are they to give him back his spot after he comes secure the the lug nuts that wouldn't seem fair in some ways because then other teams can argue different scenarios where NASCAR would hopefully give them back their position in, in different situations then NASCAR would have to consistently be giving back positions in that situation. They wouldn't be able to say, well, I'm going to give Kevin Harvick back his spot, but if Ryan Blaney misses just one lug nut, we're just going to fine him. You know, because Kevin Harvick did miss a lug nut last week, and the fine was still given. This is something that NASCAR really, really has to look into because it it can end up being detrimental to a race for a team. It really can. So... Interesting to see what happens with the pit gun issue if the teams are allowed to go back to their old pit guns, which I don't think will happen, or if NASCAR will continue to mandate these pit guns, and if NASCAR will continue to work on the pit guns to make sure that the efficiency of the stop is better. Also, we saw a change in the points following this race. We now have Kevin Harvick on top of the standings, which... Obviously, with Kevin Harvick getting two wins on the season, he's got 135 points at the time. Three behind him is Joey Logano, who's run very consistent throughout the three races that we've had so far. His consistency without a win has gotten him to the second-place spot. Ryan Blaney is four points behind Logano, and he is in the third position right now. He's He's got a playoff point. And he's got some extra points after winning that duel in Daytona just three weeks ago. Martin Truex Jr. now in the fourth spot. Truex the defending champion. Kyle Busch in the fifth spot. Kyle Larson in the sixth spot. Brett Kozlowski in seventh. Denny Hamlin in eighth. Paul Menard with a great run. Let's talk about Paul Menard for a second. This guy coming from Richard Childress Racing who's had mediocre seasons for the last I don't know how long now is in ninth in points and racing so consistently with the Wood Brothers racing team so far this season. Which can really go to show that a driver who's not in the best equipment doesn't mean they're a bad driver when they're not finishing well. Paul Menard has, he was fastest in round one of qualifying just this weekend at Las Vegas, fell off a little bit in two and three, still was able to make it to the final round. But this is something out of Paul Menard that we have not seen in years past with that 27 car, with that 27 crew, and with Richard Childress racing over at the Team Chevy team. So very cool to see Paul Menard running well. Austin Dillon, after coming off of uh, the Daytona 500 win, he's still in 10th place, still in the top 10 uh, in the points. Clint Boyer in the 14 in his sophomore season with Stuart Haas Racing, he's in 11th. Eric Almarola is in 12th in his rookie season with Stuart Haas Racing. Kurt Busch in 13th. Ryan Newman in 14th. Darrell Wallace Jr., who's had a solid, solid, consistent run. Um, finished in the top 20 today. Finished actually not in the top 20, 21st. 
but still running very consistent, finished second at Daytona. Had had a problem last week in Atlanta when Trevor Bain blow up, blew up, uh, running into the back of another vehicle in Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So running pretty consistent in the uh, in the top 15 and 15th in points. That would mean if, you, if the playoffs started today, which we are a long ways away from that time, but if the playoffs started today, he'd be in the playoffs. And another guy that we wouldn't expect would be Chris Buescher. Chris Buescher would be the last car into that first round. He is in 16th. Alex Bowman in the 88th and 17th, just taking over for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Ricky Stenhouse in the 17 car for Roush Fenway Racing is in 18th. Eric Jones in his sophomore season now in his rookie season with Joe Gibbs Racing in the Cup Series. In his sophomore season in the Cup Series in total, he is in 19th. Michael McDowell, we mentioned his strong runs, his uh, very strong run. This weekend, unfortunately, did not go the way he wanted to. He's in 20th. But then we get down to some interesting drivers. We have Chase Elliott, who right off the bat was doing really well last season in the points. Like I said, we're only three races in. I know anybody listening is like, come on, why is this guy so worried about the points? It does matter, though. It does matter. Every point matters, and we've seen it come down to just a few points to get into that playoff round without a win. Right now, Chase Elliott, not in a good spot. He's in 21st. Had some consistency. Ran very consistent last week. But the week before, a wreck. This week, ran very consistent and had a wreck. So, three weeks in a row, Chase Elliott's been up there. Unfortunately, his day ending twice in going to the garage. Trevor Bain in 22nd. He's a previous Daytona 500 champion. A.J. Allmendinger in 23rd. Rookie William Byron in 24th. Jamie McMurray runs out the top 25 in Chip Ganassi Racing. That's very interesting to me, too. Jamie McMurray not having the best few weekends so far. Hopefully, he continues to get better. Then we see Daniel Suarez. He's down in 27th. He's ran very consistently in the beginning of these events. Not able to close the deal. Obviously, Casey Kane in his rookie season with Levine Family Racing after... Leaving Hendrick Motorsports, he's in 28th at the moment. Seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson in 29th. We mentioned that Jimmy Johnson had had a consistent run, which could really be said as a small victory for the 48 team. Today in Las Vegas, finishing in the 12th position. So... That's better than we've seen the 48 run recently. And as we look back into the last season, better than we've seen him run there. He's He's gone 20-something races without winning a race, and that's the longest for Jimmy Johnson in his career. So interesting to see him as he progresses through the season, him and Chad Canals, if they can tune that 48 up and get back to victory lane right now. Not where he wants to be whatsoever in the 29th spot in the points. Another thing I wanted to touch on in this episode is the consistency of the Toyotas. We've had I've had so much talk about the Chevrolets and the Fords for the last two episodes that I've kind of left out the Toyotas only because of how dominant they've been in the past. You know, we know that the Toyotas are going to run well. We know that that 2018 body is good. The questionable thing coming into this season was, are the old bodies for the Fords going to run well, and are the new bodies of the Chevys going to run well? To touch up on the Toyotas, 
Kyle Busch finished second today in a Toyota. Martin Truex Jr., who was last year's Las Vegas winner, finished fourth in a Toyota. Eric Jones, as I mentioned, finished eighth. And those are the only Toyotas in the top ten. The others dominated by Fords and one Chevrolet driver. So a strong day, you can say, for Toyota with Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Eric Jones. Still not where Toyota would even want to be in the results category. But we can't judge their season yet based off of the first three races. And we can't judge any of the manufacturer's seasons based off the first three races. We've got a variety of tracks in the NASCAR schedule that we're going to. We've got three road courses with Watkins, Glen Sonoma, and the Charlotte Roval, which will be in the playoffs. For any drivers that are good at a road course, there's a add-in. If you can make it to the second round of the playoffs, boom. I mean, there's there's a big shot that you can have circled on your calendar. Guys like A.J. Allmendinger, one win and you're in. If he can make it through that first round, he can sure as heck probably make it through the second round with another win at Charlotte. Then we've got the short tracks like Martinsville, Richmond, Bristol. We've got the mile-and-a-halfs that we've been to so far, and then we've got their stricter plate races, races, which is anybody could win, you know? So we can't judge the season yet, but Toyota not exactly where they want it to be so far. Still running very strong and consistent. We saw Truex win last season, marking his first win of the season that led him to a championship this week, finishing fourth. And he had to fight for that fourth. He wasn't always up there today, but he was pretty consistent, and and that was great to see out of them. Kyle Busch came back to finish second, and they just continued to work on that car all day and was able to get that second-place finish and and almost chased down Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick at one point was told in his radio, hey, the 18's coming, it's time to go. And when he hit that lap traffic, a little bit of a catch-up for Kyle Busch, but Kevin Harvick was able to pull away and leave Kyle in the dust. So to to talk about the Toyotas, yes, they're they, they are still there. They are still competitive. They are still what we saw last season. And yes, they still do need to work and to get better because right now we're not seeing either them or the Chevys, which are the two most talked about manufacturers headed into this season dominating these races we've seen a big old blue oval dominate them so lots of work to be done for those two manufacturers with chevy and toyota and man will it be fun to see how they do that and it'll be fun to see what the fords can do now that they've got that domination streak going can they keep it alive can they use this momentum that they've had to say hey we're here You didn't expect us to be here, but we are. Hello. And that'll be really fun to watch as well throughout the rest of the season. Now that we're leaving Las Vegas behind us and moving on to Phoenix, let's turn the gears a little bit and and talk about that a little. Drivers that are going to be good there. I've made a list. What's the obvious? I bet you know what I'm thinking. Kevin Harvick, come on. This guy has run consistently in Phoenix and and is called has been called the king of the desert. He really knows how to get it done there. Finished sixth last year in the first race. Finished fifth in the second. Look for him to be strong. We've seen him 
throughout this part of the season, can he go for three in a row? He's not been able to do that in his career so far. It'll be interesting to see. Another guy I have circled here is Kyle Larson. How could you bet against this guy? Didn't have the best run there late in the season last year when we came in November, but in the beginning parts, finished second to Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman, if you can remember, played a strategy to get out front and continue to lead that race. But Kyle Larson only led three laps in that race, but was able to be there at the end. Look for him to be strong next weekend. Another guy, Chase Elliott. Another Chevrolet driver. Wow. Uh, Chase really showed that he was strong here in the second race of the season. In the first race, he finished 12th, but he was able to lead over 106 laps. So he showed that he was there and he was in contention. Didn't get the finish he deserved that day, but he made it better when he came back in the November race. Led 34 laps, not as many, but was able to finish second. And man, was it a nail-biter down to that one. Matt Kenseth was able to get his final career win in the Cup Series. Chase Elliott had to have that win to get into the next round for the championship four. Barely lost it in the closing laps. Great run to the finish. But Chase Elliott looked for him to be strong on Sunday. Another guy, how can you not say that Alex Bowman will be there? Alex Bowman subbed for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2016 when Junior had his concussion, and he really just showed his strength in a cup car. And that is one of the reasons, and that is a huge reason, on why he's in the 88 right now. Alex Bowman, filling in for Dale Earnhardt Jr., came to Phoenix and started the weekend off by winning the pole. Hooray, uh, that 88 car has run there before. Fans are saying, good for him, but... The 88's known for running well at Phoenix, so we'll have to see what he can do in the race. He's still a young guy. He's never been in a competitive car, but what did he show the fans? He showed that he was a guy that was ready for a competitive car, that he was a guy that wanted his name to be out there, and he led majority of that race, and in the closing laps, almost won the thing. And then him and Matt Kenseth got together late while... Bowman was trying to take the lead, resulting in both of them to go around. Matt Kenseth's day would be over. Bowman would come home, I believe it was sixth. That was 2016. I don't have the stats in front of me, but still a a good day. But he really proved his name in that race, and he's looking to prove his name as a full-time driver now and to lock himself into the playoffs. His teammate, man, that's Chevy, Chevy, Chevy I'm talking about right now. Maybe the Chevys will run better, but from previous experience with these drivers, William Byron, he's a rookie, but he's proved that he's pretty good in the desert. He won in the Xfinity race last November, which punched his ticket into the championship four at Miami, and Alex Bowman was in that field in Chip Ganassi racing car, and and he was able to even beat Alex Bowman, which, yes, the Cup car and the Xfinity car are drastically different. But having these few races under his belt, I think that with the setup that Darian Greb will be able to provide him, hopefully, William Byron could be in contention, definitely coming down to it. And and if not this race, could take some notes from this race and could be in contention for the second race because that's how 
confident I am in this driver. Yes, he's young. Yes, he's not as experienced. But Alex Bomo is able to hop in a cup car without much comp- competitive car experience and was able to go out and almost win the thing. So William Byron, he's kind of my underdog pick, the one that I think has a chance, not a tremendously huge chance, but definitely has a chance at that. Toyota guy, Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez was able to show he was there in the first race in Phoenix. He finished seventh and didn't lead any laps, nothing like that, but the consistency was definitely there. Didn't finish as well in the second race of the season last year. Finished 18th, but with a good setup, we've seen those Joe Gibbs racing cars run well there. So... Why not Daniel Suarez? He's run pretty well this season so far. Hasn't had the finishes to show for it, but throughout the races, he's run fairly consistent. And this seems like a Daniel Suarez type of track where he can get it done. So look for Daniel Suarez to maybe be up there. He's another one of my underdog picks maybe to be there at the end. Little, I mean, we don't know. It it could be another Ryan Newman race. It could come down to playing some strategy and ending up out front in the end. So it'll be very interesting to see. Another guy I have circled here on my list is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. The 17 car has come to Phoenix with a fast setup multiple times in the last few years. This last year in the first March race, he was able to finish fourth. In the second race, he was able to back that up with another top 10 and finishing eighth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has definitely grown as a driver I think and his maturity level and his awareness after winning a few times last season and he was able to get his name out there no that doesn't change his racing at Phoenix I'm not trying to say that but more confidence for that 17 car and that 17 team they're ready to run more consistently and I think that he can definitely be one that's right there down to the end in Phoenix and that should be very interesting to see Once again, I want to thank all of you all, all the viewers, for coming and listening to this podcast. Just getting off the ground only in our third episode, so thanks for bearing with me as we sort out a couple of things that we're still fixing and hoping to get better for you guys so you guys can entertain it a little more. This is just obviously my opinion, and I'd love to know yours, so please, please, please click on our link right there. If you're listening from the tsjsports.com webpage, click on the little box of me talking it'll take you over to the website where you can comment below and tell me what you think of this podcast tell me what you think of the upcoming race who you think will be the winner pulling into victory lane in the desert what you think of this weekend's race at las vegas what you think of the manufacturers tell me a little bit of what i want to know what you guys think I, i love looking at the comments and seeing that so please 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 tell me if you would like to please share this with a friend to get the the name of the podcast out, I'd really, really appreciate that. And, I mean, I'm doing it for the entertainment and for the love of the sport. You know, I love to hop on here every night after the race on Sunday and record this and get this out to you on Monday. It's very fun for me to do. So, I appreciate that I've been given the opportunity to do this. And please pass the word around so more can hear about it and give me their feedback on different things that we can improve, and and what you guys think. Also, make sure that you check out our website, tsjsports.com. We've got a tremendously amazing group of writers 
from all different types of sports. Our NASCAR side is is great. So please make sure you check out that and support all of our riders over there. And as always, I thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in next week so we can go over and break down all of what happens at Phoenix because it'll probably be a lot when you look at Phoenix, uh, a little more than what we've seen with the mile-and-a-half domination of Kevin Harvick this last week. But, hey, it might be a Kevin Harvick-dominated race again. Regardless, we're going to be here, and we're going to break it all down and discuss everything that's happening So please tune in next week, but until then, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.